You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Christ, uh, commitment to God through the person of Jesus Christ, uh, are in the unique position to be in an eternal love relationship with him. And it is incumbent upon us to be able to walk and to work and to worship in such a way that we are pleasing to the master. Amen. And to that end, one of the key planks of walk and worship and work for us is to understand what is God like. We need to know what he is like because understanding what he is like helps us in terms of our expectations. It helps us to to know how we should interact. There are always implications. There are always issues and there are always interactions when it comes comes to understanding what God is like. The implication is what does it mean when we talk about the attributes of God or certain attributes? We want to be able to say, well, what is that? What does that mean? And then the issues associated with that will be then what are the what are the uh, challenges around understanding uh, what God has revealed? And then finally, you say to yourself in terms of interaction, how do we react? And that reaction is seen in how we react to him and how we what react to others. That's work. That's worship. That's walk. That covers every aspect of the. Christian life. And so <clears throat> last week we started to talk about um, what I say is the, I guess the 10th, the 10th attribute of God that we have discussed from the pulpit. And that attribute was the purity mm, of God, the purity of God. God is holy. Amen. As much as he is anything else, we often forget that God is holy. One of the the implications of that and understanding that is to know that that when we talk about some of the other attributes of God, it's easy to overemphasize and not appreciate the fact that all of God's attributes work in perfect uh, combination together. So he is he is just and he is holy. He is he is righteous and he is loving. He is lovingly righteous and he's righteously loving. Amen. And so whatever else he is, he he overlays his holiness on everything. Amen. It's the attribute of God that the only attribute of God that we discuss that gives you a glimpse of his moral character. Amen. I mean, for him to be infinite, for him to be a person, him for him to be a spirit, for uh, uh, him to be transcendent or to be imminent. None of those things tell you about how he carries it when it comes to sin. Amen. How he carries it when it comes to how he interacts with you and how he interacts with me when it comes to sin. And sin is always uh, it sits in contrast to holiness. This attribute reminds us that God is perfect. He is completely free from sin. And he dwells in holiness. Last week, wow. Last week, 
we, we talked about uh, Exodus chapter 25 through, through 28, where God is revealing to the children of Israel the plans that he has for them. And at the end of Exodus 24, I guess it would be Moses goes up to the mountain, up the mountain, and the, the clouds cover the mountain, and that's when Moses goes for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's behind the clouds. The, people, the children of Israel are on the desert floor. They don't know what's happening behind the clouds, but what is happening is God is planning great and wonderful things for them while they are down on the desert floor. And everything that God is solving for, if you will, and how he reveals himself revolves around his holiness. You can't talk about, and I, again, forgive me if I'm backtracking, but, but, but I don't really care. Um, Sorry, not sorry. Um, uh, holiness always stands in stark contrast to selfishness. God is always solving for his holiness. You are always solving for your selfishness. Always. You're trying to figure out a way to do what it is you want to do. You want God to sign off on it. I want God to sign off on it. And if he doesn't sign off on it, we'll just do it anyway. That ain't how it works. But God is holy. And while they were on the desert floor and they didn't know what was going on with Moses, I told you that God had a couple of plans. He said, I'm making a plan to relate to the people of God. He said, I want them to build me a, a tabernacle and then I will dwell with them. But they, but they have to do it in such a way that they don't violate my holiness because I'm holy and, I, and, and I'm perfect and I am f- completely free from sin. I need it to be the way I need it to be. Amen. And so I need them to build this tabernacle so that they come through one entrance. I need them to build it so that they approach the the uh um, the burnt offering altar i need them that then there'll be a bronze basin where they can wash up then there'll be a holy place and in a holy place i have all of these artifacts that uh set up and then in the most holy place there's this ark of the covenant and between the cherubim then 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 i can the shekinah glory can dwell i can come and be comfortable and i gotta make sure they approach me the right way and that it happens the right way and so again i reminded you that if you want to if you want to approach God the way of intimacy is it's one way in amen you've got to come through the right entrance amen and then you go to the altar and you will be cleansed by blood and then you'll stop at the the bronze basin where you'll also be cleansed Come on, somebody. Y'all acting like I didn't just preach this. Cleansed by blood, then you'll be cleansed by water. And then there, there is, then you'll get into the, the holy place and then you will be consecrated with oil. Come on, somebody. Then you'll be covered with incense. You'll be clothed with the clothing that he provides. And if you do all of those things, then you can have contact and communion with God. Amen. You got to come through the right entrance, cleansed by blood, cleansed by water. You have to be consecrated with oil, covered by incense, clothed with garments, and then you can have contact and communion with God. 
And so God set it up that way because he had a plan to relate. He also had a plan to reconcile sinful man unto himself. But here's the exciting part that I didn't tell you last week because our time was was complete. That in addition to all of the plans that God had, and again, God had plans to relate and God had plans to reconcile. He even had plans to reward folks, amen, that didn't even know that they were going to be rewarded. He says, I'm going to set apart Aaron's family and they're going to be able to be priests before me. I'm going to even empower uh, folks like Eliahab and, and Bethelil that, that will be able to make all of these kinds of things. They're not going to even know how they're going to be able to build all the stuff, but I'm going to empower them and gift them, amen, with a special gift that they're not even going to understand. Where they're going to say, when Moses explains that the plans to them, they're going to, they're going to be able to just build what, he's, what, what Moses is asking for. He had all of these great plans, amen. And here's the unfortunate thing, and you know it, and I know it, that while God was planning, man was plotting. That's always the contrast and what was happening behind the clouds was holiness and what was happening come on somebody on the desert floor was selfishness a contrast and a study where i told you man had a plan to to move and and, and to to murmur to to manufacture an idol is like where did this this guy moses we wait we're tired of waiting for him and he said make us gods that that we can worship and we'll say and aaron his brother just said okay i i i'll make you guys what you want it's a it's a terrible testimony obviously for aaron but he said hey the people came to me they wanted this and i just made it but but that they they, they just wanted to move away from god because it shows their impatience you're impatient too you don't know what god is doing for you but he knows the plans he has for you plans to prosper you and to give you a future and give you real hope and sometimes we move before God is finished revealing what he wants to do in your life and that's a terrible testimony to be able to say listen Moses was just getting ready to walk down the mountaintop and give them everything God has and when he comes down the mountaintop Joshua says there's a sound of war in the camp Moses said, that's not the sound of victory. That is not the sound of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. They get in their groove on down on the desert floor, and they don't know what God had planned for them on the mountaintop. Impatient, immature, idolatrous, moving independently for God, from God and showing their immorality. Again, the contrast could not be more stark. I just can't get off of this point that, that the holiness of God is truly seen in a stark a contrast to the selfishness of man. That's why when Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, he said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. There, there's no attribute of God. I think that when he reveals his holiness to us, that overwhelms your person, and it helps you to realize how dirty and how low and how, in, and, and, and how uh, beneath where God created us and what he planned for us is, and we have no if, you, if you're thinking about 
God correctly, when you see yourself, you have no other choice but to repent in dust and ashes. You have no other uh, uh, choice but to fall before him and just say, woe is me, I am undone. But God knew what was going to happen when he set everything in motion even before time began. And so that's why there's a whining song that I love. It says, it was not a haphazard event, nor a secondary scheme, but it was the plan of the Lord to redeem. In addition to his plan to relate, in addition to his plan to reconcile, in addition to his plan to reward and to remind and to recruit everything that God was doing. And you talk about the, the, the tabernacle expression, there was still one thing that God from the beginning of time knew he was also going to have to plan to do it. He planned it. He also had a plan to redeem. And not just redeem where you can cover sin. But a plan to redeem where sin is taken away and taken off the table. Listen, (laughs) Romans 8, 28 through 30 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose for whom he foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn of many brethren whom also he did uh, uh, predestinate them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified what shall we then say to these things of God before us who could be against us foreknew predestined called justified glorified you look at that passage in Romans 8 It don't have anything to do with you. The five steps of salvation don't have anything to do with you. They're all written in the past tense because even though God is speaking through the apostle Paul in the present, he's saying this salvation is already done. It's already completed. When he looks, it's already I foreknew, I predestined, I called, I justified, and I glorified all at the same time. And you know what the beautiful part about that is? Since you don't have anything to do with it, you can't mess it up. All you can do is respond to his offer of salvation. And again, you have nothing to do with the with the salvation process. That's why it's eternally secure. And all I'm telling you is it was in the mind of God because of his holiness. But his 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 desire to be active with humanity, his desire to be able to say, I want to relate to them as well means I have to solve for my holiness. And the way I'm going to do it is I am going to send Jesus Christ, my son, and the, uh, the person of the second person of the Trinity to be able to make a sacrifice that will be pleasing to me, that will assuage my holiness, that will provide them with righteousness and clothe them in what they need to be clothed with so that they can be in contact and communication and communion with me so now go back to the temple and you see that in the old testament there was come on somebody only one way in that you had to enter but understanding that that temple according to 
Hebrews 8, 5 through 7 for me to just give you the biblical base, if you will, of what I'm what I'm talking about. They the sanctuary, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. That is why Moses was warned when he was building the tabernacle. See that you build everything according to the pattern I show you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to their, theirs as the covenant on which he is mediator is superior to the old one. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. <laughs> he said, if everything was copacetic with how we were doing things, he said, yeah, I did have that plan to reconcile. All of that is there, but I had a plan to redeem, and I had a plan to redeem through the person of Jesus Christ. The law is only, this is Hebrews chapter 10, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeatedly, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, that would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer feel guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came unto the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you not desire, but a body that you prepared for me. Verse 9 says, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And then in verse 12, it says this, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, talking about Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He didn't sit down because he was tired. He sat down because he was finished. Once. A priest, not after the order of Aaron, but a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, always in the mind of God, he said, I'm setting it up so that it'll be a shadow of the reality of what is coming when I send my son, Jesus Christ. And guess who is, come on somebody, the one way. They says you have to enter what? In, in one way. And that's just you have to enter and neither is there salvation. In any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So again, God has established through the foreshadowing of the Old Testament that there is this person of Jesus Christ, and he is the only way that you can enter. You can't climb over the wall. You can't repel off the back backside of it you got to come one way and one way only you come through the front door and that door beloved is jesus it's jesus he foreshadowed it but now it, the reality is that you only enter come on somebody through one one way and that one way is jesus <laughs> what about the fact that mm, what about the fact that 
uh, you need to be covered, I mean, cleansed by blood. Amen. Look at look at Hebrews chapter nine, which says, saying, this is the blood of the testament, which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all of the vessels of ministry and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission blood has to be shed we are cleansed by blood and now you look at what jesus christ did at the cross of calvary he shed his blood for us and so now, as you progress through the temple, you realize that Jesus Christ shed his what? His blood. Amen. But also, the, the scripture shows us that we're not just cleansed by blood. Come on, somebody. We're also cleansed by, by water. Amen. Water meaning the first initial uh, uh, uh brush with salvation or uh, entrance into salvation. And then on an ongoing basis, there's always this cleansing of water. But Titus 3 and, and, and 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. When you think about that bronze basin that was there between the, the, the altar and the, and the, uh, and the holy place, initially all Aaron and his sons had to wash up there. And then as they trafficked back and forth between the altar and between the holy place, they had to hit it again. They had to wash their hands and their feet for that ongoing, but there was an initial ongoing cleansing, uh, initial uh, cleansing by water and then an ongoing cleansing by water. You and I have that ex same experience in Christ that we are cleansed. Come on, somebody by water initially. And then if you look at John chapter uh, 13, when Jesus said, I need to wash the disciples feet. And, and Peter was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to wash my feet. But he says, unless I wash you, come on, you have no part of me. Then, then Simon said, well, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Just, just, just dump me in there. Do everything. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. Now, he was talking about Judas. But again, he says, no, we don't have to go back. And if you've had a bath, you don't have to go back and get another bath. And you think about the times and you think about that era. They had public baths. Amen. And so you would go to a public bath. You would take a bath and then you would walk back to your house. And you didn't need to address anything other than the fact that when you got home, you needed to wash your feet because you had soiled them. Come on, somebody walking around. But you didn't have to go back to the bath to get a full bath, but you better take care of them hands and feet. Amen. And that's what he was saying is, listen, there's a on there's an initial washing that comes with the regeneration that Titus three and five talks about. And then there's this ongoing where you and I have to keep short accounts with God about this thing we call sin. And he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So again, there is this, if you look at the temple, it's like, listen, you come in the one way, you got to hit the altar 
and be cleansed by blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And then you've got to hit the basin because you've got to be clean. Amen. Because you're trafficking and you're out in the world. You've got to keep short accounts with God. This is what he's talking about when he says, I'm foreshadowing with the temple everything I'm going to do in the person of Jesus Christ. You have got to hit it and you've got to get that ongoing cleansing because you and I have ongoing problems. And then if you want to hit the holy place, you got to be consecrated with oil. Now, you know that the person of the Holy Spirit is represented by oil. And you talk about being anointed with the Holy Spirit, like Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit when he was set apart for ministry and he was anointed in, 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 in Luke chapter 4 and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, I'm going to do all of this because I am anointed. I am set apart by the spirit. The anointing is on me. Come on, somebody. You have to know a little something about the anointing. That's why first John two and 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy one. And all of you know the truth. This is in the same passage where he's talking about love, not the world neither the things that are in the world for the of uh, the love of the world it, the love of the father uh is not in you if you love the world and he says at the end he says but you have an anointing you've been set apart you've been consecrated beloved with oil a special oil that can't be reproduced amen it's the oil the anointing of the holy spirit and all of you know the what the truth Y'all are just not excited enough for me when you see how God sets this thing up. He says, I have anointed you and you have been consecrated with oil. <laughs> and then you got to be covered. <laughs> you got to be covered with incense. Why do you usually burn incense when you when you had it? Or burn a match. You're burning incense because you need to get rid of a smell. And maybe you don't have time to clean like you need to clean. But if we can just cover the smell. God says, I, I, I don't want you to just cover it. I want you to clean it. Amen. That's why you're going to be cleansed with water. He said, but your flesh, I don't want to see it. But I definitely don't want to smell it. So if you're going to be in my presence, I need you to cover the, the, the scent, the very scent of flesh. I, 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 can't, I can't operate uh, and have you anywhere near me if you're not going to be covered by incense. And what is the coverage that we will have in Jesus Christ? It is in 2 Corinthians 2. Verse 15, which says this, for we are to God the aroma of Christ 
among those who are being saved and to those that are perishing. He said to one, we smell like death and to the other with the fragrance of life. He said, when you have the fragrance and you've been and you've been if you've been covered with incense, amen, and you, you've been uh, um, covered by incense, you should be smelling like Jesus Christ wherever you go. And the smell of those that are not living their lives, it should remind them of the death that they will have if they don't change their course. And to those of us who are in the body of Christ, when we smell you, you should smell like life. <laughs> Ephesians 5 and 2 says it this way. It says, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Yep. Amen. You should smell like Jesus Christ. And if you smell like Jesus Christ, you don't smell like flesh. Thank you. It's a it's a choice. It's this or that. And any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Again, we want to be the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. The fragrance of self and the fragrance of Christ are two different fragrances. And God in his holiness is always solving for you to smell like Jesus Christ and not yourself. And so you got to be covered. By incense, and then you got to be clothed with garments. And aren't you clothed with garments in Jesus Christ? I told you the last time that that that, that the filthy rags that that that, that Joshua had on in Zacharias said, get, "Get him some new clothes. You need some new clothes." And the clothes you need, the clothing you need is righteousness. Why? Because your righteousness and mine is as what? Filthy rags. And you can't come in God's presence with filthy rags. He said, man, I, I, but here's the good thing. You, you have a righteousness deficit, but you can only get righteousness through the person of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that's exactly what God provides through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And, and the apostle Paul says it this way. I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. You want to be clothed in righteousness. You want to be clothed in the garments that he provides. And that's why the painstaking detail in Exodus when God says, I'm making garments for Aaron and I'm making garments for his sons so that they can serve me at priests as priests. I need to put a linen garment. It needs to go down this far. They need to have uh, 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 a little, uh, uh, tassels at the bottom and I got a special half of them. I've got special stuff that I plan for them so that they can actually be in my presence and I'm covering all of the flesh. Amen. I don't want to see any flesh and I want to even put the fragrance. I'm going to change the fragrance in the room so that in Leviticus 16, I talk about when you come in here, set, turn that, get, get the incense going before you even get in here. Every day we got to have that incense, but you got to be clothed in the right clothing. But I love the fact that it's the clothing that he provides. 
For as many have been baptized into Christ, Galatians says, have put on Christ. That is the clothing that he provides us with. And if we can come the right way through the right interest, and there's only one way, and it's the person of Jesus Christ, we'll be cleansed by his blood. Will be cleansed by water as a as another as another example, and that's initial and ongoing cleansing, keeping short accounts with God, and then we will be consecrated with oil. I don't think you understand how important it is when you're consecrated with oil. That means you're set apart for a task, and then God sets you apart, but He gives you the person of the Holy Spirit to accomplish everything He has asked you to do. Consecrated. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what Jesus said in his mission statement. He says, I'm here to evangelize and I'm here to empower and I'm here to encourage and I'm here to emancipate. That's what I'm here to do. And guess who has empowered me to do that? The spirit of the Lord is upon me to do that. And so if you have been consecrated with oil, it's not for you to sit down. It's for you to get up and go to work. But he did that for you. Amen. He, he did that for me. And to be covered by incense so that we smell like Christ. And that to be clothed with the clothing that he provides. Because he is solving for holiness. He gives you righteousness. Because otherwise we could not stand in his presence. We have to be able to be covered by his blood and clothed by his righteousness if we're going to have intimacy with him. And when you understand that even when you're clothed in righteousness on an ongoing basis, I'm telling you, God is saying, you got to keep short accounts with me. Because sin doesn't break the relationship once he's established the relationship. It doesn't break the relationship, but it does interrupt the intimacy. You just can't be in the most holy of holies where you need to be. You can't worship comfortably. You can't. Who, who, can, who can go to your holy hill? Who can be where you dwell? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. You just, we just can't be where God is. We can't sing that song like Michael Jackson would encourage us to sing that says, I want to be where you are. Oh, I want to be where you are. I want to be, I want to be, oh. If you want to be where he is, that means you've got to do what it requires for you to be in his presence. He says, I need clean hands. I need a pure heart. I need short accounts around sin. Why? Because I am holy. It is the purity of God that drives this relationship. It is the purity of God that drives the interaction that you have to have and I have to have. Why? Because God takes holiness seriously. And you should be serious about your holiness as well. And so that's why it says in Psalms 99 and 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain 
For the Lord our God is holy.